Good morning, everyone. Why don't you wave at me if you can hear me? Oh, wonderful. Oh, yes, thank you. Thank you for being so responsive. Now, I don't know whether you... Oh, sorry, I should introduce myself. My name's Ben. I'm one of the team here at City. We'll just let them sort out that slightly boomy sound on the... How's that? There we go. I don't know whether you know me, but I have never really been one to follow the crowd. Um, in fact, I seem to grow up with a kind of inbuilt sense of doing the opposite of whatever everyone else seemed to be doing. So this manifested itself uh, in music when I was growing up. Bands like R.E.M. and U2, that sort of ages me a bit, kind of in my teens in the 90s. Some of you weren't born then. Um, I, I, you know, it's not that R.E.M. and U2 aren't good, but it, it's just like I seem to avoid anything that was like the most popular. Um, or a, another example would be when I was about eight years old, I signed a contract to say that I will never drink alcohol. Because um, it, it was just like, you know, if there was any kind of pressure to do something, um, then I was going the other way. Uh, I, I did, haven't entirely stuck to that contract, um, but I reckon that, that that kind of mentality has probably saved me a lot of trouble uh, in life. It's definitely saved me a lot of money. Anyway, um, but also that tendency to kind of swim against the tide probably has its downside uh, in fashion, for example. And uh, I've needed Jess and her influence to kind of help me to dress in a slightly less embarrassing way than I may otherwise have done. I think we can, we can all have times where we're drawn into either um, following the crowd or we have times where we want to go our own way. And our culture seems to give quite a confused picture. On the one hand, we're taught to be self-reliant and independent and be unique. Um, and that almost any kind of dependence on other people is kind of a sign of weakness. But on the other hand, there's this kind of pressure to keep up with everyone else. You know, in your career, in your achievements, in your family life, to, uh, you know, in your Instagram perfect lifestyle. There's that pressure uh, to keep up with the Joneses. So how about you? Do you, which way do you tend? Do you tend towards independence or following the crowd? In the Bible, people are often compared to sheep. Now, that analogy of sheep and shepherds seems quite a long way from our modern world. I suspect not many of us have grown up on a farm. Come on, show yourselves. If you grew up on a farm, you are welcome, well done. You have much to teach the rest of us. For, for the rest of us, um, you know, that we just, we don't easily relate to that kind of thing of going out and, you know, doing the lambing and, or whatever it is uh, that you do. Um, and if I called you all, you're a bunch of sheep you'd be a little bit insulted, wouldn't you? Because that's kind of come to mean, oh, you don't 
know your own mind, you, you just follow the crowd. But the thing is, we are a bit like sheep, aren't we? Just go on, admit it to yourself. We're, we're a bit prone to stupidity, wandering off, getting lost. Um, and like sheep, we need shepherding. We need guidance and protection. And this is important because it's a picture of how we relate to God and how we're made to relate to one another. The writers of the Bible seem to teach that we're made to live in community and that we're stronger together than we are on our own. And this speaks right into the heart of our city, Bristol, that is captivated both by an independent and a community spirit. Isn't that interesting, those kind of contradictory things? So the passage of Scripture that I want us to look at today talks about this analogy of people being shepherded. And I think it sets like a higher standard for the way God wants us to live, but it also takes the pressure off in terms of keeping up with other people. So uh, we're going to be looking at a a letter written by uh, the disciple Peter, and he wrote it to persecuted Christians in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, uh, and they were Gentile Christians. They, were, they hadn't grown up Jewish and, and put their trust in Jesus. They come from all different backgrounds and cultures, uh, but they put their faith in Christ. And Peter starts his letter by showing them that through what Christ has done, They're all part of God's family, whatever their background, and that God can use suffering to both deepen our faith and as a witness to other people. And we're going to read the last section uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5 that talks about how leaders are to care for the church and how we are to care for one another. So uh, if you have a Bible, please turn to it. I'm reading from the NIV, the words will also appear on the screen behind me. So Peter writes, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble or gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Don't worry, the lion's not coming for you. Um, Resist him, standing firm in the faith, 
because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's just quickly pray together. Lord, we thank you for these words. We thank you that you've already been speaking to us in our worship time this morning. And Lord, I I pray that you would engage with our hearts today, that this wouldn't just be head knowledge or information, but God, would you get hold of our hearts and our lives today. Lord, please help me to grab hold of truths from heaven and to apply them to our lives and the way that we live. We just ask for your help in this, Holy Spirit. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the history of God's people, some of its greatest leaders were actual shepherds. So Moses spent 40 years as a shepherd um, before he led the people out of slavery in, G- uh, in Egypt. 40 years! That's nearly an entire working life. I'm about halfway there, um, not quite. Um, but that, those 40 years were just preparation for Moses. Isn't that encouraging? If you think, oh, I haven't quite arrived in my life yet. God spent 40 years on Moses. And David, at a young age, was called by God to shepherd his people, Israel. So here we are, God's flock in Cotton, in Bristol. I don't know whether you've noticed, but we've been through quite a lot of change and transition in the last year. Some of our shepherds have changed. Simon had led the church, I think, for 12 or 13 years, something like that. Uh, He and Kate and their family moved to Cardiff to plant a church in the summer. Uh, Andy and Kate Spence, who had been here for many years, felt God spoke to them uh, about moving on to a fresh challenge. Lots of change can be unsettling. We like the kind of we like firm things in our lives, kind of, I know, I know where I am, you know, people who are part of the furniture. But the reality is in life, uh, people do move on. And we have to recognize that there'll always be an element of change, and we'll have to live with it. Some of us have just recently come along, and we maybe didn't know you know, we don't know those people who have moved on. So it's like this present reality is all that you know, and that's, that's great. You're really welcome. Others of you have been here for years and years and years, and you've been on a long, eventful journey. And, and some of those people I've mentioned may have been very significant uh, in your Christian life. I think it's good for us to just understand those different perspectives, that even in this group here this morning, uh, people are coming from very different places. Jess and I, we've only been here three and a half years ourselves. We're newbies, aren't we? Um, We mustn't place too much emphasis on the past. Some people want to live in the past, don't they, and say, oh, we just need to get it back to the way it was in 1994, 
or something like that. Um, we mustn't place too much emphasis on the past, um, but it's, it's good to have an awareness of what's gone before as we then look ahead together. And in any flock, uh, there'll be sheep that are healthy and strong, and there'll be some sheep who are sick or injured or weak. There'll be ones that prefer to stay together, uh, and there'll be ones that are always wandering off. And in a group of people this kind of size, those same things will be true. You may be here today and you feel in desperate need. Maybe you feel in need of love and care. Maybe, you, maybe you're the opposite extreme. Maybe you're feeling like, I don't want, I don't want any input. It's, it's bad enough just having to listen to someone else speak for half an hour. Um, but I believe wherever you're at, there is truth from God's word that can help you today. So I want to pull out uh, uh, some things from the verses that we've read. And I want to talk about the different ways that we are shepherded. Those kind of levels of care that Peter is writing about are a bit like the layers of a cake. Uh, I don't know whether you've uh, eaten angel cake. It's very sweet. It's, it's not good for you. But you know kind of different layers in a cake. Well, firstly, the first layer of shepherding that we experience, uh, he says to elders in verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock. Leaders or elders or pastors are supposed to shepherd people by watching over them and being examples. Just as Jesus called Peter and Andrew and said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. God also takes some of the sheep and he makes them shepherds, ones who will guide and feed and protect the others. Good shepherds know when a sheep needs a sharp tug with the crook to stop them falling in the ditch or when they need picking up and carrying home. And actually, there's a need for good leadership in every sphere of life, in business, in politics, in the community, and especially in the church. And as someone with responsibility to shepherd, uh, there's three things that I would ask of you. What on earth is he going to say, you're wondering? The first one is, talk to us. Tell us if there is something going on in your life. Leaders can care when they're aware. You know, a doctor, when, when you go into A&E, Barbara was talking about A&E, I think. Um, when you go into A&E, you get triage so they know how bad it is. And a doctor naturally prioritizes the people who are most sick. But they can only act if they know what's going on. So if you're struggling, don't grumble that you're not being cared for because actually someone might not be aware. So if there's something going on, talk to us. Verse 5 says, submit to your elders. That's not a request from me, do everything that we say, far from it. Um, 
But talk to us. Talk to us if you're thinking about getting married or, you know, big life decisions, planning to move or change job or you have dreams for a ministry or something like that. You don't have to do whatever we tell you, but hopefully there may be some things uh, that we can advise or help you with. Um, Secondly, uh, my request to you is try to be realistic in your expectations. Nikki Gumbel uh, has written a daily devotional, uh, like a Bible in one year, and he writes about an online survey that lists all the qualities that people expect from perfect pastors. So they preach for exactly 12 minutes. I think I've already broken that one. They are 28 years of age, but have been preaching for 30 years. They work from 8 a.m. until midnight every day, but they're also the caretaker. They frequently condemn sin, but never upset anyone. They wear good clothes, oh dear, buy good books, drive a good car, give generously to the poor, and have a low salary. (laughs) They make 15 daily phone calls to church families, visit the housebound and the hospitalized, spend all their time evangelizing the unchurched, and are always in the office when they're needed. They're also very good-looking. I don't know why that crept onto the list, but anyway. Pastors are human and imperfect. You knew that, didn't you? But let me just remind you. But we love people, and it is a privilege for any of us that get to lead in any way. It's a privilege to serve you. Sadly, though, we don't have infinite capacity. Some of us may have grown up in a church that was just led by one person. You know, they kind of say one man ministry or, or one woman ministry. You know what, it, what it's like. Uh, one leader who rushes around doing everything, all the teaching, all the caring, all the visiting. Heaven forbid. Uh, that's why we need teams of leaders shepherding the people and all of us caring for one another. And we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. And my last request is to remember that we're on a mission. If we said, we're not going to do any reaching out, we're not going to try and get to any other people until we've got everyone already in the church perfectly cared for, do you know what? We'd never do anything. We'd never tell anyone about Jesus. Um, we can't put the gospel on hold. So we have to care for people on the move, like, like a, a mobile hospital. If, if for any of you who are old enough, might remember the program MASH, Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. Um, we care for our people as we keep moving out to others, and then we can care for the broken and hurting people that God will bring into the church in the future. But we keep moving together. And those of us who are leaders need to remember that it isn't our flock. We're just under shepherds. Verse 2 said, be shepherds of God's flock, God's flock that is under your care. Not my flock, not Stuart's flock, not Andy Cottingham's flock, God's flock. 
It's his. And we're simply taking care of it for him. John Ortberg, who's a, a, a famous pastor in America and, and preacher and author, wrote this. God has entrusted us with his most tr- precious treasure, people. He asks us to shepherd and mold them into strong disciples with brave faith and good character. Now, God seems to be very clear about what constitutes good and bad shepherding. Ezekiel, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 34, prophesies against bad shepherds. And it says this, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Have you not strengthened the weak or healed those who are ill or bound up the injured? You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. And so God, God's response in verse 15 of Ezekiel is, I myself, God himself, will tend my sheep and make them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Peter, in his letter, says, bad shepherds pursue dishonest gain and lord it over people. Um, And God says through Ezekiel that he would shepherd the people himself. And that's the next layer. Peter says in verse 4, God is the chief shepherd. Ultimately, we're not shepherded by other people, leaders that God's uh, given responsibility for us. We're shepherded by God himself. Verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, under God's mighty hand. Verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God himself, the ruler of the universe, cares for you. Not for the person next to you, not for the really good-looking person at the end of the row. God cares for you. Psalm 23, you probably know the words, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, or I lack no good thing. Not only does Jesus shepherd us, but he's given his life for us. Several years ago, Jess and I and a group of friends uh, were invited by Michael Ramsden, who's quite a well-known author and speaker, to spend some time with us. And he did some teaching uh, from John's Gospel on chapter 10, which is all about the the good shepherd. And um, in verse 11 of John 10, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And Michael Ramsden was teaching us, have we got a picture? Uh, Was teaching us about, I don't know whether it was exactly like this, but this was the best photo I could find, that sheep would get kind of penned in uh, you know, either a circular thing or like a three-sided thing, but there was, a, there was an entrance where the sheep could be put into the fold. And then the sheep, uh, sorry, the shepherd would um, sleep in that gap. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, 
it's, it's literal. It's like the shepherd, the good shepherd, is the gate. So if wolves try and come in, they're going to have to go through the shepherd. Um, and that's the, the richness of the meaning that actually the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If there's anything bad coming, then the shepherds take it first. Isn't that encouraging, Stuart? Aren't you encouraged? Um, bad shepherds are like mercenaries or, or hired hands. They, they run at the first sign of trouble, and it's like, oh, well, I don't want to get hurt. Go on, just take a few sheep, nasty wolf, and then, and then leave us alone. Good shepherds will do anything to protect the sheep. And so if you shepherd others in any kind of way, then we want to follow Jesus' example to love sacrificially, to protect. So we have, and I'm sure we will in the future, as elders, take some hits for you. Uh, so take some injuries that, so that you don't have to. Um, and we'll also lead. We won't just let the flock settle. Sometimes we'll lead because there's better pasture or there's other things that we need to do. So just as we said, this is all in the context of mission. Jesus is also the shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one. He pursues the lost, hurting, and broken people and builds them into a loving community. And that's still what he's doing, and we get to be involved in it. So it doesn't mean the one is more important than the 99. It's just that the one is in a greater state of need. In the flock, you can be cared for, you can be guided, you can be protected and nurtured. Think about all the exhortations in the New Testament to love one another, forgive one another, care for one another, bear one another's burdens. And that is the next layer of the cake. The next way that we experience shepherding is through one another. The word alaloon, which uh, means one another, occurs a hundred times in the New Testament. And these one another in commands are all about unity and love. Um, but look at the, the one aspect that Peter highlights um, in verse 5 about humility, not judging one another. He says, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. We have an enemy. We're told in those verses that Peter wrote, uh, we have an enemy who would love us to fall out and be divided. He prowls around like a roaring lion, and he would dearly love for different ones of us to get separated from the flock and isolated. That normally happens through us getting upset and disgruntled, and we're like, mm, they, weren't, they weren't kind to me. I'm going to separate myself off. And then we're in the kind of place where he can pick us off one by one. I want to encourage you, don't get separated like that. Be here on Sundays. I don't mean that in a legalistic way, like we're, we're at the door with a, with, a, with a checklist kind of ticking you in. But if you're away 
more than you're here, then it's going to affect your ability to be connected to other people, to be part of everything that God's doing. And I really encourage you to be involved in a small group. That is another way that you can build deeper relationship with other people. And that's especially important if you're a shift worker or you travel lots, so there are times when you can't be here on a Sunday. Having another community where you're known and you know other people is so important. The devil wants you to believe that the challenges you face are unique and that no one else understands. But Peter writes in verse 9, you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Peter says in verses 8 and 9, be alert and of sober mind. Resist the devil. Stand firm in the faith. He's encouraging us finally to take personal responsibility. I know in one sense, we can't shepherd ourselves, but we do, we do have a responsibility for our lives to make good choices. No one knows better than you the things that distract you, that take you off track, that can lead you astray. So whether it's temptation to groan and mumble or a tendency to wallow in self-pity or any other kind of temptation... We have to resist it in all its forms. We need to stand our ground and not give in and look to other people for support. Sometimes we need to ask for help. That's not weakness, that's strength. So be honest with trusted friends. Get them to pray for you, but take personal responsibility. No one else can resist temptation on your behalf. Sometimes you have to do it with God's help. I love the uh, New Living translation of Isaiah 53, verse 6. It says, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jesus has dealt with the problem of sin, the sin that separated us from God's love by dying on the cross and being raised to life. He's dealt with our straying, with our independence, with our rebellion. He's provided forgiveness for any of the times that we've lauded it over other people, where we've pursued dishonest gain, He's dealt with our pride. He's provided an answer for our anxiety and suffering. He's done that for us, each one of us, and it's an invitation for anyone else to come in. It says in Revelation that the lamb who was slain has become the shepherd. We're like sheep that need shepherding. Jesus, our good shepherd, laid down his life for us so that we can enjoy his love and share it with other people. And the world is waiting for godly men and women who, imperfect as we are, will show a different way to live. 
We all shepherd people in some way. So you raise your children, you support your friends, you lead in the workplace, and there comes a time and a season in life where you care for elderly parents. What kind of person are you going to be? Both in how you shepherd and in how you respond to those who have some measure of responsibility for you. Bad shepherds are unaccountable, they lord it over others, and they damage people. Whereas good shepherds are accountable, they're under authority, and they care for people. Wise sheep stay with the flock, they recognize a good shepherd, Jesus, and they follow him faithfully. Now, I want to apply this in a couple of ways. First of all, you may be here today and you feel like I'm, I'm not really part of the flock. I'm, I'm on the edge or I'm on the outside. You may be hurting or struggling in some way. Not now, but at some point, after the meeting or soon, speak to someone. Speak to one of us. Um, Speak to a small group leader or someone that you trust. We can offer help in some way, or at least we can pray for you if we're aware of the situation. So don't assume that we know that what's going on. Um, sometimes you think, oh, they must be aware. Mm, we're quite stupid like sheep. We're probably, we're probably not aware. And so uh, talk to someone. Or maybe you're here today and you're not part of God's flock because you're not a Christian and you're not sure what you believe. Or maybe you have been part of a flock and you've strayed. You know you're off track. You're, kind of, you're going away from the shepherd. Well, this might be the moment for you to come back to respond to God. If you want to respond in either of those ways, then... Uh, after we've closed the meeting, come down and speak to someone and we'd love to talk with you and pray with you. But now I, I want to uh, lead us in a, in a response for uh, anyone who feels a sense of call to shepherd. So this is for men and women. Maybe you shepherd in your profession Maybe you shepherd people relationally, just in your social circles, or it may be in the church. If the band could come back, and why don't we all stand together? If you want to respond, uh, you feel a sense of call to shepherd, then I would love you to come forward. And I know there's that whole battle about, oh, what will people think? Am I being assuming? Don't worry about that. If you know there is some kind of sense of call on you to shepherd, and it doesn't matter whether it's 80% of you or 8% of you, it, it doesn't matter. But if that's you, I'd love you to come forward.